Hey friend, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. Thank you for tuning in today with me. I want to know that I appreciate you and I believe in you. Today's guest has such a powerful story of overcoming much loss and having victory over it, choosing to find the positive in her circumstances and to find joy in the journey. This episode is a continuation of the 2020 Boston Marathon qualifying mama conversations that I have loved doing. 2020 was a year like no other, but Jen Hansen had some devastation in 2019 leading up to this unpredictable year. I'm thankful she was willing to share with us some of that time and how she made it through. I think it will be an encouragement for you today, just like it was for me. I found myself getting emotional right along with her as she poured out her heart for us. Jennifer Hansen loves God, her husband, their four kids, and their dog, Jax. She also really loves to run. She's been blessed to be a stay-at-home mom for the past 16 years. Their children are ages 17, 15, 12, and 11, and you will often find her in a suburban driving their kids to their sports and activities. She's their biggest fan and loves to watch them compete on game day or meet day. She also enjoys working alongside her husband in a few areas of their distribution company. Running has become what Jen chooses to do with her free time. The run is her place to pray, reflect, plan her day, even socialize, and just become a better version of herself. Are you ready to dive in? Let's chat. Welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I'm your host, Gabe Cox, and through this podcast, I'm on a mission to help you step into the fire of refinement so God can mold and transform you into a woman ready to step into your calling and crush your goals his way. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Each episode, I will bring you thought process, productivity tips, and inspirational stories from everyday people, all so you can live intentionally and move forward confidently with the gifts God has given you. As a running enthusiast, I believe that life is one massive marathon, and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me, because I know you will come out stronger. Hey, Jen, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. I am so glad you're here with us today. I'm so excited to talk about running, one of my favorite things. Thanks for having me, Gabe. I'm, I just feel so blessed that you are giving me this opportunity because I also love to talk about running. <laughs> yes, I know. And I love how we got connected because um, I interviewed Jen Bergstrom a while back, I think in like um, August or July, one of those two time frames, And we had such a great conversation and she talked all about her soul sisters. So I feel like I already knew you kind of. <laughs> so I love that she connected you to come um, chat with me here. Cause I'd love, I'm excited to hear um, your side of the story, how you got into running, how you qualified for Boston and all the good things. But before we get started, um, I want you just to share a little bit about you and your family, where you come from and all those good things. Okay. Well, um, I am a uh, stay-at-home mom of four uh, kids who are very active and busy. Uh, my husband is also busy. He uh, has his own company that he started in the last couple years here, so he has a lot on his plate, and I try to help him as much as I can um, with that as well. So a lot of times you'll find me in my car driving around Monticello, Minnesota, getting my kids to all their activities and their sporting events. Um, I am definitely their number one fan and, uh, just, it is a passion of mine to see them compete and do what they love to do. So that is a huge part of my life. And what I do is take care of my family. 
but I also um, love to run. And that's, you know, the time that I have my free time, I've, I've decided that running just makes me a better person. And so um, I, that's what I choose to do with my free time and how I like to start my day. I love it. I love it. And your kids are a little older. You have teenagers, uh, middle schoolers, um, elementary too. Do you have one elementary? Yes, I have. I have one left in elementary, okay. and um, then I, I also have a middle schooler, and then I have two this year in high school. I have a junior and a freshman. So, um, and they all do different things. They all. Um, my son is a runner and a swimmer. My oldest daughter plays hockey and soccer. My middle school daughter is in gymnastics and soccer. And then my youngest, uh, she plays soccer and she just decided she's going to give basketball a try this year. So um, we are running in all different directions and uh, it keeps keeps us on our toes, that's for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. I know that's one of the things that you had mentioned is that um, sometimes one of the struggles is the fact that you have so much going on and so many different activities to get to. What does your day, like what does your week look like with uh, running kids around, I can imagine because I have mine are you mostly in the same sport, so they have the same time, and it's really easy when you have even in the same sport. Like if they're both in soccer, they're different times, you know. So, what does that normally look like for you? Well, um, you know, I'm very blessed that my husband is so involved and so helpful, and us owning our own business does definitely help. It gives him some flexibility to help out, but there are often times when I am like everything is down to the second to make it all work. You know, one person needs to be dropped off at, at a certain time um, for soccer. And then the other person is uh, over in a town 10 miles away and she needs to be dropped off at the exact same time. And it's like, how do you do, how do you do that? How do you be in two places at one time? Right. Um, so my kids have definitely learned to be patient, you know, through that. And um and we just, we, we make it work. It's not relaxing. <laughs> it's not, it, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a challenge to make it all work, but we do make it work. And, um, and the kids do appreciate that as well. So, yeah, I love that. I love that you can be so involved too. Cause that's the one thing I want to yes. be that my kids number one cheerleader too. I want to be there yes. at all the things and um, I, not practices, practices. I'm like, I could care less, but I want to see right. <laughs> them in action and see what they're learning and how they're growing. And I love that you're able to do that too. Um, now when it comes to your schedule, how, when do you run? Do you get up early? Do you run while they're in well, school? Yes. I, I typically run when they're in school. And a lot of that, um, has to do with, I don't have a treadmill, um, at home. So I do a majority of my running outside. And so it's just, you know, sometimes I, I like it when the sun is out. I don't like to go out in the dark necessarily unless I'm meeting a friend. Um, and it just, it, that's a good flow for our day is um, get up, get the kids ready. And my elementary student this year is in school every day. So once I get her to school, then I typically will have my running clothes on and I can go out um, for my daily run. I try to run about five days a week. And that's how I like to start my day. I like to um, just kind of uh, I start my day off with a prayer on the run and then think about, okay, what do I have to do today? Um, how is that all going to work? How am I going to fit it all in? Mm -hmm. and 
where I need to be um, at, at each certain time. And so it just, it, my day flows better when I start it that way. So I don't like to, I usually don't like to wait until the afternoon to um, get that run in. I like to just make that a priority and um, get that taken care of right away in the morning. Yeah, I hear you. I'm totally not too early. (laughs) Not too early. I know. I know. I am not a night run. Like I don't run in the dark either. I have in the past. Um, but it's, it is a little bit uneasy, unnerving because of, you know, everything going on in the world and just safety measures. And also, I mean, safety measures, you can't see what's on the ground, especially in the winter in Minnesota. Right. Um, Right. I haven't (laughs) run out in Colorado yet. I probably, by the time this podcast has gone, I've had a wonderful winter running outside, but I'm like you, I don't have a treadmill. I got to do it outside. And, um, but I think it's really neat to start the morning. And I know um, you had said you kind of start with a prayer. And I honestly feel like it's an extension to my quiet time because I get to I get up early before I bring the boys to gymnastics and everywhere they got to go. And I get to have my quiet time and read mm-hmm. the word and, and all of these things in journal. But then I feel like I feel like I really hear God when I'm running. Like, I really feel like that's my time, though I am listening to podcasts or running with friends mm-hmm. and stuff. But it is the time where I feel like, I have revelations or I just really hear from him. Do you ever feel like that when you're running? Yeah. It's like, Oh, you know, like all of a sudden uh, something will be weighing on me, you know, for a time and, and then I'll be on a run and I'll, it just, it comes together and it's like, Oh wow. That, you know, that's, that's what you're trying to teach me or that's what you're trying to tell me or how you want me to handle a particular situation. So absolutely 100% because there aren't, distractions, you know, and if you are listening to a podcast or music, you can turn that off. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're just out there in nature and, um, in the world, you know, that he created and yes, he speaks much clearer out there on my run. So, yeah, yeah. I love it. I I agree with you. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things about running. And I want to talk about, um, kind of how you got into running in the first place too, and why you do it. So this was, this is a good segment into it. So what, what got you into it? Did, have you always been a runner? Did you start, um, you know, I think maybe when you were having kids, I think you started. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I always had like a desire to run, but I just never, I just never did it. I just never joined the cross country team in high school. I just, you know, I, I was involved in other sports though, but there was just something about running that I was always drawn to. Mm-hmm. And, um, then I, I saw that my soul sister, one of my soul sisters, Sherry, um, who is uh, Jen, Jenny Bergstrom's sister-in-law, um, was going was going to start running, and she was she was going to run a five k. And I just thought this is so that is so cool. I've always wanted to do something like that. So, but I was I was expecting a baby at the time, so I was like, you know, this isn't the time to start. Um, but then after, um, I had Braylon, my youngest, uh, in about, it was a, probably winter of 2010. Okay. Uh, I asked Sherry if I could, you know, train for the March Madness 5k, the little local, uh, 5k in town, if I could train with her for that. And of course, you know, that was something she was excited about as well. And we just became soul sisters. Um, we, we ran together, we supported each other as far as, um, watching each other's kids so the other one could go out and run and uh so it was shortly after um having my fourth baby that I actually finally put into action something that I had desired to do for such a long time 
um, in my life. And, you know, like you said, it was an, it, you're running as an extension of your quiet time. And that's what I think it became for me. Like being a stay at home mom is kind of chaos <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when the kids are little and they're not at school. And so it was just a nice quiet time for me to be able to just, um, regroup. And, and back then too, I, it also helped me to plan my days out, even though I was running much shorter distances then, you know, cause we started out, um, so at, at such short distance, you know, with the 5k. So we were running just a few miles at a time, um, and gradually working our way up obviously to marathoning. So, yeah, that's, so awesome. that's, how, that's how I got started. Okay. Is, is, is a good influence by my friend, Sherry. <laughs> I love it. I love those influences. It's good peer pressure, right? <laughs> yes. Good peer pressure. <laughs> association. Always association is so important, but I like that good peer pressure. Like you can do that. I know. Yeah. That. And kind of just pushing yeah. you into that. And I love that you've always kind of desired it, but maybe just didn't yeah. really know how to get it in or how to start. And then you had that friend who was like, I'll, I'll do it with you. And I yep. think that's really important to have. Um, now, it took you a while before you ran your first marathon. I think you've been running for about five years. Does that sound about right? Yes, that, so what that you, sounds right. Yeah, what made you decide to get on the bandwagon? Was it something you just you just wanted to do one, something you've kind of thought about for a well, long time? Well, again, um, it, was, it was our soul sister, Sherry, <laughs> that said, you know what, I'm, I'm signing up. I, I think she had actually already signed up and registered for the Twin Cities Marathon mm-hmm. in, in 2015. And she's like, I'd really like you to come and do this with me. And I was just so impressed that she was, that she had the courage to do something like that um, all on her own. Now we had ran um, several 5Ks, 10Ks. Uh, we had done, I'm not sure how many half marathons by that point, but we had experienced up to like the half marathon, which you know, I thought was an incredible amount of mileage. And, and so when she came to me, I was so impressed with the fact that she just, um, you know, was so positive that she could accomplish finishing a marathon. And so I, I'm sure I thought about it for a while because that's, you know, that's what I do. I don't make a quick decision. And, um, but it ultimately in the end, I decided to take the plunge and register for that marathon with her. And then it was in that time that I met, um, or got closer to, to Jenny Bergstrom, um, who, who is Sherry's sister-in-law. And so we had ran a few smaller distance races together, but we really bonded, you know, through that marathon experience. And that's where we, I think, became soul sisters because it's pretty special to complete your first marathon and then to have two strong women, you know, by your side doing that is pretty, pretty cool. I'm very blessed. Yeah, I love it. And I think um, for those who are runners will understand this, but if you're not a runner listening to this, uh, there's something special about that bond, uh, like your BRFs, your best running friends or whatnot, because they just get you in a different way because running is such a part of our lives. It's, it's not our life. Like I always say, running is not my life. If that's my life, then I have an idol, right? But it is a part of my life and it makes me who I am and it helps me in all other areas of my life. And so there's just something special about it. And most people don't really understand it because what we do seems kind of crazy. I mean, we run outside in negative weather. We train for these marathons that by the end, we don't feel good. You know, it's like torture during it. We do all these training runs and we do just a lot of things. 
um, as runners. And so finding that tight knit group of people, the few friends that get you um, that love running too, it's, it's really special. And, um, and that's what you found in your soul sisters. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It, it's very special. Um, because like you said, it, it isn't, it isn't our life. Um, but it is, it makes us, um, a better version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, and then those two strong women in my life, in my life, are just there to support me. And, you know, anytime that I'm doubting myself or doubting what I'm doing, that's who I go to, to bounce, you know, ideas off of and, and to ask advice. And so, mm-hmm. yep. Very special relationship for sure. And yeah. yep. I love it. So, so this marathon 2015, it was the twin cities marathon, which is one of the yep. biggest in Minnesota, beautiful, urban marathon. I think fall in Minnesota is the best time to run, even though you still, it's unpredictable what the weather's going to be like. It could be beautiful. It could be, but it's got a chill and it's good. So, um, you finish, what was it like for you to finish? Were you like, what? It it was so amazing. I, throughout the entire marathon, I just had so much fun. It was like one of the most fun social events I had ever been to, you know, like that's when I knew I would be doing this again is when I just, I didn't ever not like it. Um, like I didn't hit a wall. I didn't, you know, want to be done. I just, I wanted to finish that marathon and I did it with a smile on my face. I was, I was so happy. I never felt, um, you know, cause I've, I've now I've ran eight marathons and I've had some other experiences, but in my very first, it was just 100% all positive. And, um, and finishing it, I knew I would run another one. I just, I couldn't wait for the next one to come along. So I, love and I, was, proud, I was so proud of, um, my soul sisters for also completing it and working so hard to finish that that first marathon. So I was excited for what the future held for us. Yeah. Was it their first marathon too? So you all did it together as your first? Yes. Yes. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. And then, so. and then this idea of qualifying for the Boston <laughs> Marathon comes into play. Um, I know you all have it. So I want to hear a little bit about when did that, when did you think maybe you wanted to try for that? When did it become special for you? Well, for me, you know, I just, I I was kind of winging the whole, this whole first marathon experience as well. Like I didn't really know much about marathoning at all, Mm -hmm. um, except that I had to run 26.2 miles. You know, I mean, that was, (laughs) I knew that much. Um, So I'm actually on the course running my very first marathon, Twin Cities Marathon of 2015. And I overhear a couple other girls talking about the fact that their friend was trying to BQ that day and what pace um, this friend of theirs needed to be at. And I just thought, what? Like, so I'm on, I'm on pace to, to BQ. Well, at the time I didn't understand the different age cutoffs and all mm-hmm. that, those details, but I guarantee you that, that Sherry and Jenny probably both knew that information, you know, but that's where, that was the, 
uh, where the idea sparked for me was like halfway through my first full marathon. I was like, so I'm actually doing this challenging, hard thing right now. And I'm doing a pretty nice job of it. If I'm, you know, on the pace of, of, um, someone who's going to be Q, there was a lot of race left and she, I don't know if she went on to BQ. She probably did. Um, but that's where the idea was born was actually in my first marathon. I love it. And then how did it, um, become a bigger idea? How did it become kind of a drive for you? Well, I, I'm very, I like to achieve a goal. And so, you know, that idea was born. I loved my marathon experience. And so naturally I then progressed to saying, okay, the next time I run, I, I want to have that in mind with my training. Um, I want to have that goal set and I want my training to then line up with that. Um, so then the next race that I ran was a uh, marathon was um, the Lake Wobegon marathon in 2017 and I um, trained for that with Sherry and, but at the time I was still really naive and, you know, like um, didn't, didn't really understand how you needed to mix in some slow runs and some speed work. And, you know, I just thought miles were miles. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, although I was a little bit more um, conscious of the fact that I wanted to be Q and at the time I think the my qualifying time back then was probably 345. So I had that in my mind, but it, it just it wasn't as detailed as it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And we went and um and ran the Lake Wobegon Marathon that year. And I did finish um with a better time. I got a PR on that marathon. Uh but I was off. I, I was like a good eight minutes off or seven minutes off of, of a BQ, but I was okay with it. You know, I, I knew that, that I could try again, you know, and that I would, that, that I was going to keep doing this because I loved it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, we, we then, um, the three of us, Sherry, Jenny, and myself, uh, ran the Mankato Marathon um, in 2000, in the fall of 2017 and, um, had maybe a little bit better training plan, um, and came in and finished. I mean, it was a very challenging course. I personally finished, um, just, uh, about eight seconds shy of a PR, <laughs> so, but, but still, yeah, and still off of the BQ, obviously. Um, so at that point then, I, I realized, you know, I have to do something different. If I want to get a different result, um, I've ran three marathons. They're all within, you know, seconds virtually of each other. If I want to get a different result, I have to do something. I have to do something different in my, my training. I actually found um, a plan that involved um, some speed work and some tempo runs and long runs and cross training, uh, which I chose to do swimming. And, um, and that was, uh, for the Fargo marathon in 2018. And that, that's where I, we, I finally saw, um, a great, 
decrease in my time. So I, I BQ'd, I ran that marathon in three hours, 43 minutes and 58 seconds. Um, so I was so excited to then have the opportunity to say that I BQ'd and figure out then what's all involved with, with um, registering for the Boston Marathon <laughs> because there's so, there's so much, um, you, just because you BQ doesn't mean you're going to get to go out and run in Boston. Right. And this, that's a, it was a learning process. I mean, it took me all these years to learn all this information. So, yeah, that's awesome. And I love that you just kept going. Like um, you learned from each marathon. I think that's something yes. that's really special. We learn from each one. And sometimes we, we feel like we're going to have the best one ever and it becomes our worst one, but we learn from it. <laughs> I've yes. had those many times. And um, absolutely. So, and I know you went on to work toward it. Now, did you try to get into Boston for 2019? I did. I, um, so that was in the, that Fargo was in the spring mm -hmm. of 2018. And so then registration for Boston opened up in September um, for then the, the 2019 uh, Boston Marathon. And so I registered and I, registered then I, I'm just trying to think back but I think it was like week two of registration because of where my time fell with um you know with all the people who qualified with like 10 minute buffers or you know mm -hmm. so I was um I I didn't get in I I went through the registration process I didn't think I would get in so when I you know got the email saying we're sorry to inform you but you you were accepted I wasn't surprised it didn't it it just fueled me you know to go out and and try it again uh, because that it, in the in that little bit of time between the registration and then you know waiting for that email to come in to see if I was accepted um, I realized how how bad I really wanted to go out to Boston and run the marathon you know so now it was I, I had met one goal of actually BQing, but now I've got another goal and that's, I need to be fast enough to be able to actually get accepted so I can go out and run, run the course in Boston, the historic course in Boston. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and a lot of things came into play because I think that's the year that it's like thousands of people were turned away, right? Cause there was like a five minute buffer you needed. Yes. At that year. And then they changed the qualification time. <laughs> right. So then, so they did. And the, and that reminds me, Gabe, I, I kind of forgot about this, but so that was in April of 2018 that I qualified up in Fargo mm -hmm. and then took, you know, a little bit of time off or, you know, easy maintaining, um, before I picked up training again for the 2018 twin cities marathon in October. So I want to say a week before we ran that race in October of 2018, Boston, the, the BAA changed their, their cutoff time. And so it now became a three hours and 40 minutes that I needed to have um, to qualify to BQ. And I had, I was a little scared because I had been training um, and thinking that I, that I needed a 345. So five minutes is a, it's a big deal. You know, it scared me a little. So I spent, I spent a lot of time leading up in the week leading up to that, that marathon. Um, 
talking myself into the fact that I, I did put the work in and convincing myself that I could actually do this, um, that I could be Q, even though they made it five minutes harder. Um, so it was a lot of uh, conversations with myself on those morning runs and, um, and just convincing myself that I did put the work in. I can do this. I've come very close, you know, before um, up in Fargo and, and I've worked even harder this next training cycle and it is possible. And so I ran my, uh, my PR that day um, in October of 2018 at the Twin Cities Marathon. I ran a three hour, 37 minute and 28 second uh, marathon. And that gave me my second BQ and then, but it was, it was October of 2018. I had to wait months <laughs> to register for Boston at that time. Did that make you nervous? Like, cause I mean, I'm sure you're anticipating it. You have a decent buffer, but you don't know because of what happened the year before. I mean, was the waiting really hard? Cause it was almost a year of waiting. Yeah. It, you know, it, it was hard, but, um, I didn't, I was able to remain, you know, calm and not get too excited um, until, you know, September rolled around. And then it was like all the excitement and you're, you know, like anytime you have a, like a free relaxing moment, your mind automatically goes to Boston Marathon. You know, am I going to get in? Is it fast enough? Um, What, what's going to happen? So I, um, I did, obviously I did register and I think I, I got in then by a few minutes. I mean, it was still pretty close, even though they, they tightened the, the qualifying times. It was still, um, I, I still kind of squeaked in, <laughs> I feel like. Uh, kind of, I squeaked in, but so good measure. You but had, I got in and that, yeah, what's that? You had a, you had a decent buffer, I think with the, cause I mean, you had to, you essentially cut almost seven minutes off what your qualification would have been if it were the 345. So it's pretty cool that you not only hit the BQ, which was five minutes faster than it was supposed to be, but you also had a good buffer, a couple minute buffer. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So what was the, what was your initial feeling? That was, well, you know, I was, I was extremely excited and it was almost like surreal. Um, and then, then I started to put a lot of pressure on myself because I, I've actually looking back, I was like, I was really intimidated by the course. Like I just was trying to soak up all this information, trying to, um, learn everything I could about it and make sure that I was training properly, um, for the Hills and, um, Someone told me, don't forget about the downhill. You're going to want to, um, that you do some training for that. The first part of the Boston, the first half of the marathon, which is going to be a lot of downhill um, because you want your legs fresh for um, the Newton Hills. So I really became, um, I, I was really intimidated by it. And I, but it, it fueled me. I went out and I worked hard every day. I showed up every single day 
to train for Boston. Um, and I, um, you know, I just, it, it was, it's hard to put into words, like how I felt when then it, it did, it, we were announced, it was announced to us in March that, you know, it wasn't going to happen. Um, it was kind of a, amongst a lot of other disappointments for my, my kids and all their sporting events that they had, um, worked so hard for, uh, a year and, the fear that was going on with the the pandemic situation. And it was like, what, you know, what could happen next? And, and it was the news that the Boston marathon was then going to be postponed at the time. And, and my kids were then disappointed too, because that was going to be a trip. We were going to bring all the kids out and, and experience Boston and the marathon and just have a nice little family vacation. Yes. So I probably different uh, further question here than what what we were originally talking about. But um, no, it's good. It's good because yeah. we'll talk. We I want to talk about that a little bit too. Okay. I felt the same. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of us going to Boston, I needed to experience it one more time because I went to Boston with these plans to qualify at Boston, and <laughs> that was you yeah. gotta go to experience it. Like first time Boston, you gotta experience it. And I just wanted to go back, but I wanted to bring the kids this time and do the family vacation and do the history. Like there's so much history there and just have that time. And it was almost more disappointing for me that I didn't get to share in that experience with my kids than it was for me not to be able to run. Um, because at that point I was coming off an injury still like, (laughs) Oh, that breaking your ankle, it takes a long time. It's so frustrating, but I was, I knew I was only going to be walk running it, like probably walking more than running at that point. So, um, it wasn't going to be a race to me. It was just going to be special because of what it meant. Um, and so I can definitely see how disappointing that is probably not only for you, but I'm sure the kids were just so excited to be able to go experience it with you. Yes. They, they were excited for, um, you know, we had like a little countdown calendar going of how many days till the family vacation. And, um, I had a, a friend that was going to come out with my sister and then, um, and my sister's boyfriend. So that was confirmed. I knew they were coming as well. And I have a sister that I just had this feeling that, you know, she, spur of the moment would maybe show up. So I kind of had that in my gut that, that my other sister would be out there. Well, come to find out my mom was actually going to be traveling out with my other sister and that would, and they were going to surprise me out there. Oh. So, um, yeah, so it was my, my family was a little dis, you know, my kids and my husband were a little disappointed, um, that they didn't get that trip. And, and then beyond that, it was also my siblings and my mom that, um, that didn't, you know, get that opportunity either uh, this year. But I, you know, I still, I'm positive that that it's going to happen someday for us all. We'll get to, we'll get to be out there. Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> definitely deserve to get out there to see it mm-hmm. and to run it live and have that experience. Um, this year has been like none other, right? None, none of us really understood yes. what was going to happen next. We still kind of are, it's all mm-hmm. unpredictable, everything. But um but I know that 2019 was an uneasy year for you as well. Um, yes. So do you mind sharing just a little bit? Because I, I feel like going through, so you qualify for Boston in 2018. You have that whole year, but 2019 is a little unsettling with all the loss that you've experienced. 
and then 2020, which is like a different kind of loss, right? And so it's right. like loss after loss after loss. And what has, and tell me, share a little bit about it and tell us a little bit about how it affected your training. Was it like, did you feel like running or was it kind of like running became an escape for you or what, how did you experience running in that time? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so like I was on the top of the world in 2000, the fall of 2018, I qualified for Boston and I was pretty hopeful. Like you said, it was a seven minute ish, you know, buffer kind of in a way. Um, and so I was on top of the world and then in the winter of, of 2019. So a few months later, uh, my grandma wasn't doing well. Uh, my grandparents are, had just recently moved um, off the family farm that they had been on and raised their family. And the farm was so very special to us. Um, and they had been there for, they actually had been there for maybe a, over a little over a year, but my grandma was not doing well. Um, her health was really uh, starting to slip. Um, and we did lose her in um, February of of 2019. Uh, but I had a special moment with her. The last uh, visit that I got to go out and, and see her, she wasn't really, she wasn't awake. She was just laying in her bed. Um, but I went over and I told her, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to cry. I told her that, um, I told her something that one of my dear best friends, um, had said to me when I, when I shared with her that I was losing my grandma and she said, Oh, you know, grandmas are so special. Grandparents are so special. And I, you know, it's hard to, what, what do you say to your grandma when she's laying there and, and you're not making eye contact because her eyes are closed, but I knew she could hear me. And I just, I just told her um, how special she was. And I said, grandmas are so special. And growing up and being on the farm, you know, out by the farm and being able to come and visit you and um, spend so much time with you out in your kitchen, in your yellow kitchen. Um, it's so very special to me, grandma. And, and you're just the best. And, you know, and I just went on and I was just telling her how much, how special she was to me in my life. And a little tear rolled out of the corner of her eye. And I knew, I just, I was like, she can hear me and she knows, and she's telling me, um, she's trying to tell me that, um, that she loves me and that she, you know, that everything's going to be okay. And, um, and so we, we, we lost her in the winter then in, um, in July, my aunt and uncle were on their way to visit my, my grandpa and go back to their hometown and take part in some summer uh, festivities that were going on in, in the town. And uh, they were struck by a distracted driver and my uncle was killed instantly and my aunt was airlifted and she, and she didn't survive um, the, the car accident. And it was something that it was just, um, it was really hard on us. I mean, we are just a really close um, knit family. This is my mom's siblings and my mom's mom. Um, and they're just a really tight family. So it just, it, it 
has left a hole in our hearts um, that just it can't it can't be filled. You know, it's just that sudden loss is very very painful, and 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 so we're all heartbroken. And then if in November, my grandpa starts to um, just have some health issues. He's at this point he's a hundred years old. We did get to celebrate his hundred. Uh, birthday party in August. Awesome. And, and I think that's kind of what he waited for. He was like, I'm going to have one last hurrah, you know, and um, um, in November, um, we we lost my grandpa. And that was, that was hard too, because he's the pillar of the family, you know, he's the, he's the, the strong superhero um, that we just, all crowd around the kitchen table and listen to his stories. And, and, and so that, that was super hard too. Um, and then uh, the next week, one week later, after saying goodbye to my grandpa um, at his funeral, one week later, we had to say goodbye to my, my dad's brother um, who lost his battle with cancer. <laughs> and it just, it's unreal to lose those, all those key important people so close together, you know, and it was like, like you said, it was like, what, what could happen next? How could, how could 2020 be, um, how could it not be better, you know? And so we were, we were excited for a new year and, and then that's what, then the pandemic happened and, um, and it's just, and that's been hard for everybody, you know, that's been, um, a challenge for everyone. And so you had asked, okay, so how did that affect my training? How did losing all those people, um, losing them here on earth? I, I mean, they're are journeying to heaven and I am, I'm very, um, strong in my faith. Uh, and I know that they're all in a better place but that doesn't mean I don't miss them dearly, but they, they did fuel my commitment to being the best version of myself with the time that I have here on this earth. And, uh, I remember back in the winter, shortly after my grandma passed, um, I didn't want to get up in the middle of the cold winter and go out and run in frozen Minnesota and I heard my grandma say, Jenny girl, it's what you do. And, and so that was kind of my, what got me out of bed every morning to it's, she, she just said, Jenny girl, it's what you do. Like, don't think anymore about this. You do, you do what you do and you go out there and, and start your day the way that you're supposed to. Well, you know, with your run and keep working and chipping away um, to achieve your goals. So, and my, I, I just want to share with you, my aunt and uncle who were killed in the car accident, um, they were at my Fargo marathon. They lived, they lived in Fargo and they were at, they were there for my first BQ. Wow. And I am so thankful for that, that weekend that we had with them. And we just have some really special memories from that. And I'm so thankful that we had that time together. And so that also fueled my um, ability to, to just keep going. Yeah. Um, the fact that 
they saw me do this. They saw me do this one time and now they're, they're watching me from above and, and I got, I have to get out and do this for them. So, yeah, that is such a special mm-hmm. moment that you shared with them. Oh, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I actually, I I'm so thankful we have hope, you know, in a, in a, eternity yes. and in a God who's bigger like that. I think without that, how much more painful all these things would be that we experience. Oh. I think no matter what, it's painful, but I'd love that we have hope. <laughs> and I remember right. actually I had a similar experience. Um, you're making me emotional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I had a similar experience. I grand grandma's half marathon. I think this was 2013. And I, instead of finding a hotel, I remembered my uncle lived up there and I don't see him all that often. So I thought, you know, let's just see if we can stay at them. And I had just the, I think I had both my boys there. Um, two of my, my two oldest, they were really young. You know, one was, okay. I don't even know how old he was, 2013. He must've been, let's see, 2000, he must've been four. So four and like six or something. So they actually could kind of remember this, but we got to spend the weekend with my uncle Joe and his wife, Loretta, my aunt Loretta. And, um, and they, you know, and they were like, you absolutely are going to come here and I, we will take your kids while you run. And and it was just really special time. And then not even the week later, my uncle Joe died of heart, heart attack. And I just think about it going, how selfish it would have been for me to have been in a hotel and not even to go and visited them, you know? So it's just like those special moments. And it's like running was a special moment that connected us at that point you know? Yeah. And that's yes. like the Fargo Marathon. It reminds me of the Fargo Marathon where you had that special connection. It was because of your running, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and how, and how cool is it that you, um, that that just played out that way that you could stay with him and have that time, you know, because I, I just feel like, you know, obvious it, to me, it's obvious God had a hand in that. Yeah. You know? And I think that we can do all the planning we want and you, and you know, maybe if you're anything like me, like a night in a hotel before the race is kind of attractive because you're can count on, you know, hopefully getting a good night's sleep. It's quiet. There's not going to be interruptions. No one, you know, yep, exactly. Lots of benefits to that mm-hmm. Some reason you, you were able to, you know, think about, or maybe you didn't think about it, but you, ended up at your aunt and uncle's house and you have that those memories yeah yeah that's so cool I love it <laughs> mm-hmm. special moments so mm-hmm. it's it's hard dealing with that loss um and I do love that we have something that not that we can escape to but something that we can um you know find hope while we're mm-hmm. doing it like I feel like running you just can have that and you have that special time with God who can like be our um our hope giver and our console, the one who's consoling us and wrapping us in his arms and things like that. So I love that you kept pursuing it and didn't just stop because I feel like sometimes we just stop. And, um, and obviously our loved ones wouldn't want that. They want us to and to pursue the passions that are on our hearts. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's exactly what, when my, when I heard my grandma saying, Jenny girl, this is what you do. I, you know, that's what she was telling me is I go out and, and do what you always do and and do it to the best of your ability. So that encouragement, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And 2020 comes and it's like, it's new beginnings. <laughs> what could <Right>. go wrong? <laughs> I think a lot of yeah. us, that was one of my words is new beginnings or vision, you know, and all that. And it's like, well, I didn't have a vision for this. And, right. Exactly. Um, and so kind of, we talked a little bit about the disappointment and when you found out it was canceled, um, yeah. you know, tell me a little bit about, did you decide to run the virtual did you decide I'm going to make this special for me? Like, how did you do that? How did you get through 2020? I mean, coming from a, a, a year, 19, 2019 as a year of loss and then 2020 essentially being a new year of loss. Like, how did you get through that? Well, um, so I, I did decide to run the virtual. I was, I was d disappointed and, and sad and, but I, but I also kind of expected it to happen just, you know, for them, I just figured there was no way that they could actually hold the Boston marathon when basically the world was shut down, you know? Um, and I was out on a run with my husband and he doesn't run very often, but there's a challenge. He does a couple times a year yeah. and happened to be during that time. And so we were running and he was just like, well, if, if you want to do the virtual, you know, he said, I could run some of it with you because my big concern was, do I really want to run 26.2 miles in non-race setting? Yeah. And I, knew I had, I knew I had Jenny that she would, um, you know, if she chose to do it, that we could run this together. But, um, where do you run that? You know, it's like, where, where do you run without having to cross roads and to be safe? And, you know, that's a, that's so, it was like, that was my uncertainty. And my husband just made it, he's like so calm and he thinks things so, thinks about things so clearly. And he's just like, well, I'll, I'll run some of it with you. And why wouldn't you, you know? And so I did decide that I wanted to be part of history too. You know, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, this has never happened before. Um, I want I want to be part of, um, that and I, I want to get that unicorn medal and yes, finish for the medal. <laughs> yep. And um, and you know, and I worked so hard for it. I, you know, I want to, I want to get that medal. I worked hard, uh, but so I, I decided to run the the virtual and I continued my training. And then an opportunity actually came up to go out to Spearfish, South Dakota. Mm -hmm of August and run the leading ladies marathon out there, which is all downhill. I mean, I don't, don't quote me on the exact numbers here, but it's like 2,500 of elevation loss now. Nice. So, I mean, yeah, it's downhill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I wanted to go out there with my soul sisters and experience that. That was not my day that that one was not my day. So we have more disappointment in 2020. <laughs> um, but I did, I had a talk with myself out there and I said, cause I was like, there was one point where I was like looking for a ride back to the finish line. I'm like, who could, who, whose car could I hop in and get a ride back? You know? And then I said, no, I, I talked to myself. I'm sure I, I, I'm sure God was telling me all this stuff. Like you don't quit you when you start something, you finish it. And so I decided I didn't, I, I needed to be myself. I was miserable. I didn't feel good from the beginning of that race. I like had side aches and, um, I, my, I just was exhausted. I didn't really sleep very well. Uh, and 
just, it wasn't my day. And so I um, decided I needed to be myself. I needed myself to show through. I can't, if I'm, if I'm going to be myself, I, I need to slow down a little. I need to get these side aches under control. Um, and also part of being myself is to finish this race, to not quit, to not give up and to just enjoy the beauty. It was so beautiful out there. And I stopped, there, there was a lady on the course that pointed out like a mountain goat and I stopped and I think I took a picture of the mountain goat. I don't remember, but I, it's in my mind, I vividly remember this mountain goat. And it was just like, there was just little things like that. The, the bald eagle that flew over the um, Smokey the Bear sign that said the, you know, the, the temperature, was so hot and there was a pollen alert and it was like a high risk for fire you know I, I remember a picture of that so I just I slowed down I took it in I decided I just needed to be myself and enjoy the race that I started out and to actually finish it to not quit and not give up and so even though it was my slowest marathon time yet to this day, which floors me because I worked so hard training for Boston. I, I didn't think this one would be so difficult, but, um, but I finished it. And there are, there's a lot of good that came from that marathon. And I am so thankful that I went out there with my soul sisters to run that yeah. So I had opportunity. That was a real race in 2020. Woohoo! Um, Not yay. very many of those. <laughs> right. right. So, um, very thankful I did that. And then three weeks later, I ran the Boston virtual. Okay. And it was sort of a redemption. I knew it was a virtual setting and I knew we chose a very challenging course that we were going to run three loops, almost three loops um, in Minneapolis around the Mississippi river. Okay. And um, it was sort of a redemption in that I just, we wanted to enjoy that as well. Um, and so we took it nice and slow for the first two thirds of that race. Um, just a night, typical, nice, easy run pace that we did. And then the, the final like six miles, we decided to, to pick up the pace and, um, you know what, surprise, surprise. I came in at three hours and 52 minutes, which is my, you know, kind of my typical time okay. outside couple times that I've DQ'd. So yeah. that must just be um, kind of my, my enjoyment <laughs> marathon pace if you're going to enjoy it. So, um, so we made the best of it. We uh, had um, some special shirts and uh, headbands and I ordered bibs that, you know, were like the, the Boston race bib um, with the colors and our, and our unique numbers on there. So we wore those Mm -hmm. Saw of Boston virtual runners out on that course in Minneapolis that day. Oh. So that was really fun to cheer them on and to, um, and, and to let them cheer us on too. We just, we had lots of smiles, lots of, um, uh, laughs and just in pure enjoyment. So it was fun. <laughs> That's awesome. That, it's a way to make it special and that you had, mm -hmm. um, your soul sisters to run it with, which makes it yes. probably all the more better. Um, absolutely. Ran mine alone and <laughs> in elevation. I, that was I listened, I listened to your, your podcast with that. And 
I love the fact that that you finished you finished it too, and you worked your butt off and 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 did something different. Yeah, it was an experience. You might as well. You got to do something to make it memorable. And yes. I chose to torture myself to make it memorable. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the scenic, the views were worth it. And just the experience itself was worth it. But I think there's something about finishing, especially when it feels tough and when you don't want to. I mean, that's what makes you who you are. Like you learn from it, you grow in it. And um, doing tough things like that is what grows you. And so... I love that yes. you decided on that race that you weren't going to quit either. And like I said, after you BQ, a lot of times you have one of your worst races because <laughs> they're going to happen because we can't control everything. We can only control our actions and our attitude, really. We can't control the other things, you know, that come. And yeah. so it's what we do with the things out of our control, how we react to them that makes all the difference. So yes. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you had the virtual 2020. Now I want to know, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here, what would have, why would have the 2020 Boston Marathon been a victory run for you? Um, I think just the, well, like I said earlier, we, we were going to bring our family out and just, you know, have, have a big celebration. Um, it was all the years of work, working towards actually achieving that BQ and then um, being accepted into the race. So it was going to be a celebration. I, back then, you know, um, in the winter of 2019, so what, only nine months ago, I um, had this idea that I was going to go out to Boston and BQ at Boston, because I thought that would be really cool. And I aged up. So I am, so I'm gaining 10, I'm gaining 10 so I thought, well, I'm gaining 10 minutes and, and I, so I age up and, um, it would, I don't care by how much, but wouldn't it be cool to BQ on the Boston course? I mean, I know lots of really, um, seasoned, spectacular runners do that. And I thought that that would be cool. So that was going to be, you know, a great, huge victory for me, um, to, to try to achieve that out there. Yeah. Well, and that would be kind of your happy yeah. place where you're saying, um, the three fifty two. it would be kind of right around there. Right. Just it, a little bit under. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's true. So it could be an enjoyable run for you. <laughs> so, so it is. Yeah, maybe. So it is, it is doable. Um, you know, maybe someday, uh, that will happen for me. So that's awesome. I love it. I love that goal. Mm -hmm. too. Like I told you in the beginning, that's what my goal was. And now I want to go back <laughs> and just experience it, but, um, I didn't train right for it. Plus that would have been a lot. The, the goal I had was lofty. So it was like, it wasn't just, well, it was like, let's drop 15 minutes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I want to go, I do want to tell you though, I, I also have changed my, although someday I think that would be cool. Mm -hmm. If, if, and when I do get to Boston, like the very first time I actually have changed my mind. Cause I, like I told you way back when we started this conversation, Boston intimidated me to the point where I think I pushed myself, you know, super hard and it, it scared me a little. And so now if I do get the opportunity to go out there, I do want to enjoy it. I want to take it all in. I don't want all that pressure on myself, mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, like you did just bring up, maybe that 350 is my happy place and I'll be able to do both. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just go with all that expectation, train for it. I say, have a goal that you're like, you have to have a time goal that you're training for in a way. Yep. Otherwise yes. you're going to go out there and you're going to run too fast or, you know, something and right. Um, so not enjoy it, but I think that's, I think it would be awesome if you could do both. <laughs> that would be cool. So, <laughs> so my last question, I know we've kind of gone a little longer, but I could talk to you all day. We've had a great conversation. I know, I've had so much fun. <laughs> um, I know. So we've talked a lot about loss and this year we've had it in multiple facets. Um, how would you encourage listeners today to just keep going after dealing with um, the types of losses? I mean, there's so many different ones, um, losing loved ones, losing jobs, losing hope, losing whatever, um, what has gotten you through yours? Well, um, I think, you know, I think a big thing is being consistent. Uh, and, and, you know, the world can be very scary right now. We don't know. We don't know when things will get back to normal. If they'll get back to the normal we're used to, what the new normal will be. Um, but we have the ability to just stay consistent, do what we do. Like my, like those words I heard from my grandma, Jenny girl, it's what you do, you know, do um, show up every day, do the best that you can do. And I'm not just talking about training for a marathon, um, but do the things that, that you need to do each day and do them to the best of your ability. So that at night, um, you can reflect back and say, you know, I just, I did the best I could today. I didn't let fear win. I didn't let um, sadness win. Um, I'm, I'm an overcomer and I, I was able to be the best version of myself. And so I would, I would just say, you know, keep showing up and, and be consistent and um, stay positive and have fun. Enjoy the journey. Um, because this is a journey, like I, my journey isn't over now, just because I, um, because I do have this unicorn medal, <laughs> my journey with running isn't over. Uh, running makes me a better person. It makes me a better version of myself. And I need to enjoy that journey. I need to enjoy uh, my leading ladies marathon with my slowest time. There are so many good things that came out of that, out of running that marathon and having that experience. So we have to stay positive and, and see the good in, um, in everything we do. There's a Bible verse and Gabe, maybe, you know, I think it's out of James where, um, you need to count it all joy, even in those hardships, you need to find, find the joy. Yes. Count it all. I, joy. I wish I could tell you the exact, the exact verse right now, but I can't, but yeah, I can't either. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, I'm okay. really with verses. I have to write them down. I know the <laughs> lingo, but I don't know the verse. Yeah. Um, but yeah. James, it is James. I want to say one eight, but I don't know if that's right. So don't quote me on that. <laughs> so. But, but I think that's what it's all about is, you know, we, we are going to have, we are going to have some hurdles in our lives, but we got to find joy. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that just that alone was worth our conversation because I think it's so important for us to understand how to embrace the season we're in and to remember that the season we're in isn't who we are. It's just where we are. 
and um, yeah. to count it all joy and to enjoy that journey of developing and growing and um, and seeing where it goes. So I, I really appreciate that. Jen, this has been such a fun yeah. conversation. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you had fun. Uh, it wasn't too scary. And um, I hope to see you at Boston sometime soon, if not in 2020, some of, or well, not 2020, but 2021. Someday we'll be there. Someday, yes. And, and we'll connect. <laughs> but. Wow. This conversation was such a blessing for me today. And I hope it was for you too. Consider it joy. This stood out to me in our conversation, and as we were trying to figure out the actual passage number, I was close, but it's not James 1, 8, it's James 1, 2 through 4, and I want to share it with you today as we wrap up our time together. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. I could have talked to Jen forever, and I know this conversation was slightly longer than normal, but I didn't want to leave any of it out. It was all so, so good. I hope you heard what you needed today. And if you are one experiencing any kind of loss, my prayer for you today is that you embrace the hope you have in our Heavenly Father and allow Him to comfort you and lead you on this journey called life. Thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to our next time. In all things, I pray that you just run your race. I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time, and I hope you did too. Before we go, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify as reviews are an important part of growing this podcast. If you have any friends or family who you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to take a screenshot and share it with them. And if you're not a part of the free Mindful Mamas online community, consider joining us. It's a community built to provide support, mindset, and encouragement as you develop your gifting, live intentionally, and go after your biggest goals, God's way. Head on over to www.redhotmindset.com to check out the show notes and find the link to join the community. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.